are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bibles, please, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Joshua. <laughs> if you're not laughing, you better, you better laugh in a hurry. <laughs> Joshua chapter number 11, one verse, verse number 15. Joshua chapter 11, verse number 15. Now, I'll not be preaching a very good sermon tonight because I'm limited. I cannot exaggerate. If I don't preach a good sermon, blame the guy before me. He took away all of my illustrations. <laughs> and uh, I want to read just one verse, the 15th verse of the 11th chapter of Joshua. I dabble with this at pastor school a little bit. I'm going to go swimming with it tonight. In verse number 15, As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Let me say a word about that verse before I pray and then bring the message. I do not understand all there is to know about succession, uh, things handed down from one preacher to another. I do know that, that uh, Aaron, I think it was, uh, said that Moses was as God unto him. That didn't mean that Moses was his God, but it meant that he was to obey uh, Moses, just like a wife supposed to obey her husband, and so forth. And he was God's deputy. Now here, Moses told Joshua what God had commanded him. And the Bible said that Joshua did as Moses commanded. And then that little line that says he left nothing undone, of all that the Lord commanded Moses. I want to speak tonight on the subject, what to leave undone. What to leave undone. Our Heavenly Father, I've been everywhere I want to go. There's no place that I could be invited to preach that would excite me any more than any other. All of my dreams have been more than fulfilled. I have no place that I could get invited to go speak and go call my wife and say, guess where I'm going to preach? I've been there. I just want to be a blessing wherever I go. And tonight, especially in this great church and this great man of God who pastors it, I want to be a blessing. Help me to be so. Amen. I'm going to preach tonight a sermon that I'd like for somebody to preach to my people. If somebody came and preached to my people, this is the type of sermon I'd want them to preach. I'm going to use this microphone right here. If you don't have much volume, you've got to have to run and holler and spit and scream a lot. So I'm going to use this microphone right here. And this one is for you to say amen. Oh, right there. And uh, so... Uh, Christianity is not real complicated. I see sometimes 
in Christian bookstores, if there is such a thing as a Christian bookstore. I see such things as 25 ways to live the Christian life. And that's 24 too many. Uh, I, uh, that's, that's an exaggeration. But I, uh, I see about 74 ways to walk with God. And that's an exaggeration also. The Christian life is not really so complicated. I often make the statement that uh, you cannot transfer profound truth with profound vehicles. Profundity can only be transferred from one person to another in the vehicle of simplicity. Simplicity is the, is the vehicle that Jesus used with which to convey his profound truth from himself to his followers. I was preaching in Moody Bible Institute several many, many years ago back when I would, when I would preach at Moody Bible Institute. And backward they would have me preach at Moody Bible Institute. I preach there every morning for a week. And uh, I know what some of you are saying now. Just don't think you ought to call names like that. Then don't ever do it. But uh, anyway, uh, I was preaching there for a week, and uh, they didn't like me too much. And by the way, I didn't care a whole lot about them either. And uh, so I, uh, they, they, they said over and over again, they said uh, he just tells too many stories, too many illustrations, and too many stories. After I'd been there for five days, my closing message, I stood up and I said, I realize that I have not gone over real well with you, and you've not gone over real well with me. And I said, I'm sure I'll not get invited back, and if I am invited back, I shall not return. But uh, I, I said, I do want to remind you that there's somebody else you shouldn't have, because he tells more stories than I tell. I said, I'm not going to call his name, but let me tell you the kind of stories that he tells. Tells about a prodigal son left his father, went in a far country. Tells about a little sheep that got lost on, out in the wilderness. Tells about a lady lost a coin. And tells about a man went forth in his field to sow. I said, don't have him. You wouldn't like him either. That's about all he did. And uh, I said, even wrote a, even wrote a book. And the book's just full of a bunch of stories, basically. I say Christianity is not complicated. It's very simple and very easy to understand. And one of the things that's, that, that's, that's, that's easy to understand is what I'm going to speak about tonight. I'm going to make six statements by way of introduction. And then if I can, we're going to hit some, what would you say while I go, fasten your seatbelts because some turbulence is going to come. Boy, did it ever come, too. And uh, but anyway... I'm going to give you six little statements by way of introduction. Number one, life is too short to do everything. There's no way in the world that anybody can do everything that he wants to do or maybe even is supposed to do. Number two, that means if life is too short to do everything, something must be left undone. Number three, show me what you leave undone and I will tell you what kind of a Christian you are. Don't show me what you've done. Show me what you've left undone. And I will show you what kind of a Christian you are. Most of us leave the important things undone. And most of us do the less important things. Now the reason is, big things never clamor for your time. Uh, uh, Dr. Lee Robertson has never begged me for my time or nagged at me because I don't give him any of my time. Little people and little things clamor for your time. And because little things clamor for your time, you'll leave the big things undone. 
God never nags at you because you don't pray, so you'll leave prayer undone. God never nags at you because you don't read the Bible, so you'll leave the Bible reading undone. The average person in this room tonight has a set schedule to eat breakfast, a set schedule to eat lunch, a set schedule to eat dinner, a set schedule to go to bed, a set schedule to get up, and no, and a set, set schedule to go to work, and a set schedule to come home, but no set schedule to pray, and no set schedule to read your Bible, and no set schedule to go soul winning. Why? Because it's easy to leave the, the, uh, the main things, the big things undone and do the little things because they clamor for your time. I said life is too short to do everything. I said that means something must be left undone. I said show me what you leave undone and I'll show you what kind of a Christian you are. I said most of us leave the important things undone. I said the reason is big things never clamor for your time and we get caught up in doing the things that press for our time and leave the big things undone. Number six, so the important things must be done on purpose. The little things will make you do them, but the important things must be done on purpose and must be done by schedule. Somebody took a poll of preachers several years ago, and they listed the six, uh, what they thought were the six main duties of the pastorate. And they asked the preachers to put a one beside the most important thing and a two beside the second most important thing, all the way down to number six, the least important thing of all. And the most important thing that was listed for the preachers was prayer time. The preacher said that's the most important thing a preacher ought to do. Then they asked to do this. They said a number of these things according to the order in which you spend your time doing them. And the last thing of importance was administration. And the first thing of time occupied was administration. And the last, first, the first thing in importance that they placed was prayer. And the last thing in amount of hours spent was prayer. Now that means that the preachers of America that answered that poll were leaving the important thing undone and doing the little thing not as important. For example... I have more to do than I know how, what, what to do. I have time to do. Uh, more things than I can do. I pastor a church. 40,000 people come at least once a month to the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. We have more people come to our church than any church in America. We have more folks in the state penitentiary than any church in America also. But I'm saying I pastor 40, and I mean I, I, I don't mean that I preach to them. I pastor those people. And I pastor 40,000 people that come with at least some regularity to First Baptist Church. I, I am superintendent of the Hammond Baptist uh, grade school, Hammond Baptist junior high school, Hammond Baptist high school, the City Baptist grade school, and the City Baptist high school, that's the bus kid grade school and the bus kid high school. I'm chancellor of the largest independent Baptist fundamental college in the world, Howells Anderson College, and I preach an average of three sermons a day. I counsel with 147 people that come inside my office average every week of my life. Every day that I live, $40,000 has got to come into the, t the tills of First Baptist Church of Hammond. That means every, every week, almost a third of a million dollars has got to come in. And I, that means between the time that I left home this morning and now, it is now uh, 10.30 in Hammond, that means $40,000 had to come in today in all of our ministries if we keep the bills paid. 
I, I travel 200,000 miles a year on jet airplanes. I, uh, I have written, oh, I don't know how many books, uh, 75 or 30 books. And uh, I, uh, I have pastors every day that call me, and, and I pastor literally hundreds of preachers across America. I have the church business to care for. And, uh, and so forth. I do not have time to do all the things that I'm asked to do. That means I have to leave something undone. Joshua gives us a wonderful example here. And let me give you eight statements that, uh, about Joshua. Number one, he could not do it all. Now, by the way, this is introduction. Don't get your hopes up. It's all going to be this easy on you. I'm going to get you after a while. But, uh, but anyway, Joshua, couldn't. He, ha he, he gives a wonderful example. Number one, he couldn't do it all. Number two, he had to leave something undone. Number three, he looked at all he had to do. Number four, he checked to see if they were commandments. The things that he was supposed to do were commandments. Number five, he did everything that was commanded. Number six, he left that which was not commanded undone. And then after he'd done all that was commanded to do, he did all the rest that he could do and left the rest undone. Let me tell you something. Many a good person has been a failure in life because they've left the wrong things undone. Many a, a good, good woman has been a failure as a wife. Many a good man has been a failure as a husband. Many a good mother has been, a woman has been a failure as a mother. Many a good man has been a failure as a father. Many a good soul-winning young person has been a failure as a, as a, as a son or a daughter. And many a good man has been a failure as a pastor because he has left the wrong things undone. Now let's get down to business uh, and uh, let's, let's put it down where you live. I'm going to knock on your door now for a few minutes. For example, we hear a lot in the Bible, about the, a lot in our churches about the Proverbs 31 woman. We have clubs in America called the Proverbs 31 Club. And... Uh, and, and, and they, they go Proverbs starting about verse 10, I think it is, and going on down through the chapter. And they tell you what, what you ought to be as a woman uh, from Proverbs 31. But I'd like to announce tonight there's not one single commandment in Proverbs 31. Not a single commandment. God never commands anything. He tells some admirable qualities about a woman, but he does not command a woman to do anything. I'm talking about Joshua said he left nothing undone of all that God had commanded him. Now, he left some things undone, but he didn't leave anything undone that God had commanded him to do. Now, you listen to me. I don't care who you are. You've got more to do in life than you have time to do, and you've got to decide what you leave undone. In God's name, don't leave the commandments undone. You find what God commands you to do, and you put those on top of your priority list and leave nothing that God has commanded undone. Many a good wife. Many a good woman has failed. She's been a Proverbs 31 woman. But there's no commandment. There are no commandments in Proverbs 31. Ah, but there are some commandments in Ephesians chapter 5. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, a woman is commanded to submit herself to her own husband. Come on, fellas. Ask your wife if you can say amen. Now that's a commandment. I said, that's the commandment. Now, if you've got to choose between Proverbs 31 and Ephesians chapter 5, you get in Ephesians chapter 5 and forget Proverbs 31. I'm saying, 
Joshua left nothing undone of all that God commanded him. And God commands you to submit yourself to your husband. I said, God commands you to submit yourself to your husband. I said, God commands you to submit yourself to your husband. And you're not a good Christian unless you obey the commandments of God Almighty. In Ephesians 5, 24, it says that woman is supposed to be in subjection to your own husband. Fellas, this is a wonderful sermon, isn't it, fellas? Isn't this great? Boy, I knew you'd like it. But don't, don't get too happy. I'm going to get you after a while. Now, the honest truth is, that's the commandment of God. God didn't suggest that you be in subjection to your own husband. God commanded you be in subjection to your own husband. That means if you're the uh, latest Bible class teacher and the best Bible class teacher in the church, but you're not in subjection to your own husband, you're not a good Christian because you're leaving the wrong things undone. That means if you're the best soul winner in the soul winning club, but you're not. By the way, it didn't say be in subjection to your good husband. It said your husband. It didn't say be in subjection to your perfect husband. It said your husband. It didn't say be in subjection to your husband on things you agree with. It said be in subjection to your husband. And that's a command from God Almighty. And Joshua said he has not left the things undone that God had commanded be done. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, and I hope you ladies are hoping I'll get out of that in a hurry. That's why I'm going to hang around for a while. Ephesians chapter, I hope somebody will get this tape and send it to my wife. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, Bible says the woman's supposed to reverence her husband. Now I won't tell you, I think we ought to trade our Proverbs 31 clubs for Ephesians 5 clubs. I'm saying this. If you cannot do all that you're supposed to do, God says do what he's commanded to do. Joshua left nothing undone of all that God had commanded. You know, there's nothing in the Bible about a woman teaching a Bible class. Now, I'm not against that, but there's nothing in the Bible that commands you to teach a Bible class, but there's something in the Bible that commands you to be subject to your own husband. You said, Brother House, when are you going to get off this? When I get good and ready, that's not going to get off of it. And I'm not ready yet. Now, you listen to me. You, you spiritual giants, you deep scholars of the Word, you charismatic husbands preaching on television, I, I'm simply saying that God commanded you to do some things, and Joshua said he left nothing undone of all that God had commanded him. If you can't do it all, do the commandments of God, what God commanded you to do. You know, there's nothing in the Bible about a woman singing a solo in church. Now, I'm for that. My wife, every once in a while, will sing a solo in church. And I can do a pretty mean solo myself. But, but my wife is a soloist. But there's nothing in the Bible commands her to be a soloist. So if she has, has, doesn't have time to practice her solos and be in subjection to her husband, then she's supposed to hang the solo and be subjection to her husband. Because it's a commandment to be in subjection to a husband and a privilege to sing a solo. There's nothing in the Bible, for example, about um, a woman singing in the choir. I think it's a wonderful thing for a woman to sing in the choir. And I want to thank God. You see, you had the men right here in the middle. Thank God you, you, you've hidden the men over here where they ought to be hidden. And you put the ladies in the middle of the choir where God said you're supposed to put them in the blessed word. But there's nothing in the Bible about, about uh, a woman singing in the choir. 
And that's a good thing to do, but it's not a commandment of God. But it is a commandment of God to submit yourself to your own husband. Did you know there's nothing in the Bible about a woman speaking around the country? You know, I, I'm, I'm not against a woman speaking around the country. My wife goes five or six times a year herself. But a lot of these women are going around the country neglecting their husbands, teaching the ladies to take care of their husbands. I wouldn't give you a dime for the whole carload of them. I'm trying to tell you tonight, now, I'm not against the, speaking around the country. I am against your doing what God did not command you to do and not obeying what God did command you to do. Did you know that there is a commandment in the Bible you're supposed to smooch with your husband? That's commanded. It's even commanded in the Bible you're supposed to make love to your husband. That's commanded. 1 Corinthians 7, look at it. It's, it's commanded. There is a commandment in the Bible you're supposed to be affectionate to your husband. Oh, you great... Lady Bible teachers that won't be affectionate to your husband. May you get bed bugs under your armpits. <laughs> now you listen to me. It's time that the America wised up about how a woman is supposed to be and a woman is supposed to do. Oh, this is good. Our Howells Anderson College boys come to me. And with their real pious look, I, they say, Dr. Hiles, what do you think I ought to look for in a wife? Some cases you can look and look and look and can't find one. We had a student at our college one time before, couldn't find a wife in four years. <laughs> one look at him, you can understand why. But... They, 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 these uh, preacher boys that like to impress Brother Hiles, Dr. Hiles, uh, what do you think I ought to look for in a wife? Should I look for somebody that's a good church worker? No, I said, how are you an assistant pastor? <laughs> well, Dr. Hiles should look for somebody that has a good solo voice. No, by a record. <laughs> well, Dr. Hiles should look for somebody that can play the piano. No, hire a pianist. Well, Dr. Hiles, what do you think is the main quality I ought to look for in a wife? I said somebody likes to pet. Smooch. Kiss. There's an unhappy fellow married back there, unhappily married man back in the back. <clears throat> I'm married to the most beautiful woman in the world. I'm married to the best woman in the world. Most courageous woman I've ever met. I'm married to her. Now, she's a great woman, not because she's taught the same Sunday school class for over 30 years. She's a great woman, not because she sings in the choir. She's a great woman, not because she sings solos. She's a great woman, not because she teaches college. She's a great woman, not because she has a few speaking engagements a year. She's a great woman, not because she's written three or four books. She's a great woman because for 50 years, this October 24th, she has lived to please the guy to whom she's married. And it's time that you quit being so all-fired selfish, ladies, and realize that God's commanded you do something. Oh, you say, I haven't got time to be a good wife and be an obedient wife. I'm too busy serving my life. That's the way you serve your Lord, is being a good wife. Joshua said he left nothing undone of all the, of all the things that God had commanded. 
I'm, I'm 68 years old. I've been married 50 years this October. Got married when I was seven. She was four. I'm talking about 50 years. I'm talking about a half a century. You know that when I kiss that woman, I feel the same way I felt 50 years ago. I mean, boy, I tingle all over. I'm old, but I'm not dead. And by the way, we don't kiss like that. We, we kiss like that. On, on sweetness day, I, uh, I bought her a three-pound box of Fannie Mae. A lot of you ladies made a mistake when you changed from Mary Kay to Fannie Mae. But I, I bought her a three-pound box of Fannie Mae candy, chocolate-covered nuts. I always buy her my favorites. Because I want to help her to be submissive to her husband. Well, <clears throat> she had to fly down to San Diego to preach for a couple of days. <laughs> Look, folks, laugh when I tell them I haven't got time to wait on this delayed action. So we had to, she, she went down to San Diego to speak a couple of days, and, and I, 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 I keep one, on, under 195 pounds. I will not get over 195 pounds. And I stay about 190, 192, something like that, and have been for a couple of years. But uh, uh, I got up to 194 and a half. It was, it was a, a, a Friday morning, 194. I said to Miss Howell's breakfast table, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. One half pound, <clears throat> and I'll be to 195. A little over a half pound, and I'll be over 195. I can't do it. I've got to watch it. Well, that afternoon, she took off for San Diego. I came home that night, and I knew where that Fannie Mae candy was that I had bought for myself. <clears throat> I set my face toward it like a flint toward that Fannie Mae candy. I mean, I, 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 like a, point, a dog pointing its prey. I opened that box, and there was a note. No, 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 no. I love you, Beverly. Well, we had some cashew nuts. I knew I love those things. Had some cashew nuts. Went over and opened the cashew nuts and notes that uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. I love you, Beverly. I, um, I got, this morning, I got up first. I showered. While I was showering, she went down fixed breakfast, as she always does. When I got back in the room, uh, from the bathroom, there was a note on the pillow, a love note. I mean, a Gucci goo love note. I mean, the kind I couldn't read in public, a love note. Now, I want to tell you something. America's going to hell because a woman is not willing to be what God has commanded her to be. It said that Joshua, Joshua left nothing undone of all that God had commanded. Now, God's preferences, that's good. But God's commandments come first. God's desires and wishes, that's good. And if you can get to them, you ought to do them. But the first thing you ought to do is what God commanded you to do. 
Did you know there's nothing in the Bible? Oh, fathers, <laughs> welcome to the sermon. <laughs> Did you know, fathers, there's nothing in the Bible about taking your family on a vacation? Oh, don't misunderstand me. I'm for it. Did you know there's nothing in the Bible, dads, about taking your boy fishing? Nothing. It's not a commandment of God. God did not say, Thou shalt therefore take us thy boy fishing us. It doesn't say it in the Bible. <laughs> there's nothing in the Bible about taking your boy to a ball game. If you live in Chicago, God would say, Don't take him to a Cubs game. They won't grow up and be right. I'm simply saying, there's nothing in the Bible about that. And yet, the average fellow thinks he's a good father if he takes his boy to the ball game, shoots some baskets with him, and plays some catch with him, and knocks some balls with him, and goes fishing with him, and goes hunting with him. Well, this thing can be used for a lot of things. <laughs> but there's nothing in the Bible that commands that. But there is something in the Bible that says, Rear your children in the nurture and admonition of God. That means if you can't teach your Bible to your boy and play ball with your ball with your boy, put that ball down, get that Bible, and teach that boy the Bible. The sad truth is this. The average man in this room tonight has not taken that many minutes in the last three days to teach your children that book. But God commands it. I said God commands it. Joshua left nothing undone of all that God had commanded. He had to leave some things undone, but he obeyed the commandments first. Now, did you know there's nothing in the Bible about making an honor roll school? I thank God there isn't. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm for making the honor roll. <laughs> These bumper stickers you have them out here. My child is an honor roll student at Evolution School. <laughs> You've seen the one that said, my child beat up your honor roll student. <laughs> Boy, I like that one best of all, man. Because I, <laughs> I could have had that on the back of my car. Now you listen to me. I'm for a student making the best grades he can, but that's, that's not, and nothing in the Bible commands you to be in the, on the honor roll. There's nothing in the Bible that commands you to be the best pianist at the piano recital. Though I'm not against that. I just don't let me go hear it. I don't want to go to piano recitals. I'd rather go through the first half of the tribulation period. Do you know there's nothing in the Bible about a boy not hitting a home run little league game? Now, I, <clears throat> we have our own church little league, two, two little leagues we have in our own church, just of our church teams, and I'm for that. And I'm not, I'm not against a, a girl playing the piano, and I'm not against a boy playing the piano. He plays football twice as much as he practices piano. But I just don't want a boy playing the piano where he walk, walks like that and carries his books to school like that and sits down like that. I just don't want it. Now you listen to me. It's time we get our priorities all straightened out. But God does command children to obey their parents. Why don't you put a buffer sticker on the back of your car? My child obeys his mama. 
my child obeys his daddy. You give me a child that's obedient to his parents, you can have the honor roll. God commands you to obey your parents. Now, you kids, listen to me. You kids, sit up straight and listen to me. God commands you to obey your mom and dad. If mom says, make your bed, she shouldn't have to say it twice. Dad says, take out the garbage. You see, he shouldn't have to say it twice. It is a commandment of God Almighty for you to obey your mama and obey your dad. And Joshua said, he left nothing undone of all that God had commanded him. Wives, take inventory. Are you putting the commandments of God above the nice things? Don't misunderstand me. I'm for teaching a Bible class. If you've obeyed all the commandments first. I'm for your soul winning club. If you have done the things that God put you here to do. And a heap of you ladies need to put your husband before your kids. God didn't look down one day and see a baby had a dirty diaper. So I think I better make somebody change that diaper. God looked down and saw a man needed completing. And God said, I'm going to make somebody to help that man. Now, you know, the, the, the biggest homebreaker in America is the child. Don't blame the child, blame the mom. I'm trying to say fundamentalism is dying tonight in churches across America. We're doing that which is not commanded and leaving the commandments undone. And God said, do that which is commanded. And if you have to leave something undone, leave something else undone. Do you know there's nothing in the Bible about macho men, husbands? Down, ladies, down, ladies. <laughs> you Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let me tell you something. A man that obeys the commandments of Almighty God, whose bicep is the size of a grape, is more man than you Arnold Schwarzenegger's heart. <clears throat> a man that loves his wife, trains his children, rears them in the nurture and admonition of God, a man that honors God and teaches the Word of God to his family and obeys the commands of God. I don't care if he weighs, if he's six foot two and weighs 75 pounds and he's got broomsticks for arms and legs and, and grapes for bicep. I don't care. That guy is more a man than a big, bustle, brown, macho fella who does not obey the commandments of God Almighty. Nothing in the Bible about the macho man. By the way, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you you're supposed to command your wife to obey you. Nothing. Now the Bible says, here you are. Well, sweetie face, the Bible says you're supposed to obey me. Boy, you better thank God I'm not God. I wouldn't have included you in that command. The <laughs> Bible also says that my people are supposed to obey me as their pastor, but I don't expect it. I don't demand it. 
I don't request it. If I can't, if I can't earn it, I don't want it. And what we need is a bunch of ladies who will say, I am going to subject myself to my husband voluntarily, and a bunch of men to say, I am going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And Joshua left nothing undone of all that God had commanded. And Joshua left nothing undone of all that God had commanded. Nothing in the Bible about the macho men. But there's something in the Bible that says, folks, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You check sometimes in your Bible and find th the things that Jesus was called. And you check his relationship to the church. And you will find that he loved the church like a brother loves a sister. Like a father loves a daughter. Like a son loves a mother. Like a friend loves a friend. Like a lover lo loves a lover. And like a pastor loves a member. That little woman I've been married to 50 years this October 24th. I, I married her. She weighed 135 pounds. This morning I checked the scale. She weighed 136 pounds. I'm going to put her on a diet. <laughs> I love her like a brother is supposed to love his sister. I love her like a father is supposed to love a daughter. I love her like a son is supposed to love a mother. I love her like a friend is supposed to love a friend. I love her like a lover is supposed to love a lover. I love her like a pastor is supposed to love a member. You say, Brother House, why? Because I'm commanded to. I'm commanded to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I'm looking at a bunch of people tonight that are fundamental Faithful, tithe, your decent, honorable, fundamental, King James Bible, toting, grace-saying, Sunday school teaching people. But I'm looking at dozens of us tonight in this room who are leaving the commandments undone and doing that which is not commanded. Now, I think you ought to do that which is not commanded if you have done that which is commanded, but the priorities of your life should be those things which are commanded. Joshua left nothing undone of the things that God commanded him. One little story, and I'm through. And then another story, and I'll be through again. <laughs> Years ago, I found out the best part of a sermon is the close. So I close five, six times every sermon. True story. My mother told me I could tell it, and in fact, she asked me to tell it. When God gave mothers out, he gave me the sweetest, dearest mother in the world. My mother was everything a mother ought to be. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.